so I hope you had a good afternoon and uh, I want to speak today about how to you know empower the Brahma Vihara practice through the seven factors of awakening and uh, you know coming back to the teaching story which Ayananda Bodhi shared with us yesterday about uh, you know the two friends uh, walking from one village to the next and then they find first they find some hemp and then they find some cotton and some precious metals and so on and so forth and one of them you know is always ready to put down what he has in order to pick up something more precious and the other one can't really see that uh, opportunity and so he just you know holds on to what he has got and I want to unpack that a little bit and uh, you know share with you a quote which relates to exactly that you know through seeing what is there and then through that clear seeing letting go and then you know having a more expansive way of uh, being in the world and you know seeing deeper and seeing wider and this is a quote from the Ankutara Nikaya from the tens and it goes as follows <coughs> whosoever is emancipated from the world does so by removing the five hindrances firmly establishing the mind in the four foundations of mindfulness and cultivating the seven factors of awakening so and if i relate that quote back to the teaching story from yesterday then you know the hindrances are you know five different ways of attaching to our experience in a way so that it hinders us to see our own good and the good of others that's the essence you know what the hindrance would be and in the case the one friend you know he was holding on to the um, hemp because he felt like it was very well uh, put together and he just didn't really have the capacity to see beyond that so he, you know, was afraid that he'd lose something. So he just stayed with what he had and, you know, kept the mind quite narrow. Whereas the other one was able to see the benefit of putting down the hemp and picking up the cotton. And, uh, you know, in, in order to be able to see through what's happening right now, the training would be, you know, establishing the mind in the four foundations of mindfulness. And, you know, establishing the mind in the four foundations of mindfulness is, you know, the basic template for meditation in the early Buddhist teaching. And uh, it's a, it's descriptive rather, uh, it, sorry, it's prescriptive rather than descriptive. The Buddha doesn't tell us, you know, what ex how experience works but he gives us a very clear guidance you know how we can see it for ourselves 
and you know then by paying attention in a particular way to particular features of experience we usually don't pay attention to and through that paying attention in this particular way suddenly you know uh, a much wider and more expansive way of looking and seeing everything in context starts to open up and uh, you know that all starts with mindfulness which is like an open receptivity to our present experience and the word sati you know is the Pali word for mindfulness is actually a feminine noun and indeed you know it is a very receptive quality and uh, when Amanalio speaks about sati as being you know um, open receptivity which gives birth to new perspectives through new ways of seeing and uh, you know those specific ways of uh, exploring our own experience and then you know just working through old ways of, of seeing it and and they just tr you know start to fall away and we have like a deeper and wider access to experience and to what it is, you know, to be a human being. And, uh, you know, always starting with where we are right now in, with this tangle of assumptions and then, you know, being willing to work through that, which might bring up, you know, feelings of uncertainty and confusion and just you know being willing to stay with that long enough and uh, until you know we are delivered from this old way of seeing through through this um, particular way of looking which is different and you know liberating us from old views for example you know the one who who saw that it would be more beneficial to pick up the cotton he could see that, whereas the other one was very, very closed, focused on old ways of seeing. And, you know, and if we undergo those practices, if we are willing, you know, to work with our experience within the four foundations of mindfulness, what is developed and what is uh, strengthened and cultivated are the seven factors of awakening. You know, and the seven factors of awakening are in seed form in all of our minds. And uh, any skill, you know, even you know, worldly skills like, for example, being able to drive a car, play an instrument, even, you know, put a key in a keyhole and unlock the door. We need all of those seven factors in order to do any task. But those factors, you know, they can be developed far beyond just opening a door they can you know open the door to full awakening if we know you know how to do it if we know how to hone those capacities you know they get increasingly more and more um, strong and we get more and more sensitive 
sensitized to reality. We can see more and more like uh, that which is hidden in plain view. And, uh, you know, being more and more affected by the way things are. And through this being affected, our mind and our heart responds by adapting. Because we see more and more, you know, how vulnerable we are actually, you know, how interconnected we are with everything else. And that vulnerability is also our great capacity for adaptation. For, to adapt. You know, if you look at evolution, it starts with very simple life forms like a stone, a turtle, and then, you know, a human being is much, much more vulnerable than a turtle is, I'd say, or a stone, but also much more cap capacity, you know, for adaptation. So this vulnerability is also our great opportunity. But we can only, you know, make that into an opportunity if we really fully acknowledge it for what it is. So this, this uh, vulnerability, if we really take advantage of it and use it and hone it so it becomes perfected and, you know, results in full awakening, we actually become 100% invulnerable because that is the end of suffering. So it's a paradox, you know, that vulnerability is a great opportunity. And, you know, those seven factors of awakening, the first one is sati or mindfulness or awareness. And it's, you know, that's a, a, recep a receptivity which is not getting sucked in into wanting and not wanting, but it's just in the scriptures is compared with a cow herd who is looking after the cows, you know, sitting under a tree and the harvest has already been brought in so he can relax. He just need to, you know, check are they all here still? He doesn't need to worry that they run into the fields and eat the harvest. He can just be at ease and see, okay, they're all here and relax. So it's that kind of uh, awareness. It's not like a cat in front of a mouse hole, you know, just waiting to get something. That's not mindfulness. That's like something else. And then next one is Dhammavichaya, which is uh, literally translated investigation of Dhammas, but we can also call it curiosity or interest. You know, seeing that which we are mindful of, seeing it in the context of the teachings. Dhammavichaya is like sometimes compared, you know, with the rim of a looking glass because it relates what we see back to the context. And then virya is the next one, energy. And then... Uh, so mindfulness, interest, you know, staying with the object, for that we need a certain amount of energy. And then, you know, the process starts to move and then a certain amount of P 
piti, which is joy, arises from that. You know, if we recognize our experience in the context of Dhamma, which means, for example, simply, you know, like looking at your feelings in the meditation, you need mindfulness for that, you need to have some interest, there need to be a certain amount of energy, and then, you know, is the seeing of, oh, indeed, they are impermanent. That can bring up a sense of joy. And uh, and then if there's a sense of joy, the mind is at ease. And then the next factor would be number five is pasadi, tranquility, calm. Because if the mind is at ease and there's a certain amount of joy, even a very subtle joy of being in the present moment, not wanting anything, not lacking anything, that is... You know, having an, an an effect on the mind, the mind expands. And also, you know, like all of the bits and pieces of the mind start to kind of coalesce. And uh, there's then samadhi, or collectedness of mind, stability. sometimes also called concentration. And then, you know, through that uh, samadhi and pasadi, tranquility and focus of mind, we can see things in a bigger context and that brings up opeka, equanimity or equipoise. And as Ayananda Bodhi mentioned it, or sometimes, you know, translated as a bird's eyes view of our experience, seeing things in context. And actually, you know, pity and joy would be, is related somehow to the Brahmavihara of Mudita. And Upeka is related, of course, to the Brahmavihara of Upeka. As a factor of enlightenment, we would translate it as equi, equi, equipoise or equilibrium rather, and then as a Brahma-Vihara is equipoise. It's a bit of a different uh, quality of the same uh, upeka. So that's the seven factors of awakening which we are strengthening through the practice. And in order, you know, for to really, you know, set free the liberating potential, we have to um, cultivate those seven factors of awakening in four different aspects, which is four different meditative themes. If they are seen, you know, with increasing clarity, the liberating potential is released. And those, you know, those four meditative themes are, the first one would be viveka, which is, which is seclusion. And it means seclusion from the hindrances. So the, seclu the hindrances are temporarily, um, have temporarily stopped. They are 
they are in abeyance for the time being because the mind, you know, is dwelling in metta or in any one of the four Brahmaviharas. And then, you know, if the mind is temporarily free from the hindrances, then we can direct the mind to see impermanence, to pay attention to impermanence. For example, you know, the impermanence of the breath, impermanence of feelings, impermanence of thoughts, you know, maybe moving through the mind, or even impermanence of the experience of metta, or any of the Brahmaviharas. For example, at the end of the meditation, you know, when you're choosing to just uh, let go of the perception of metta, then you can see, you know, the impermanence of that. And, you know, repeatedly seeing impermanence leads to fading away of attachment because the mind responds. If the mind really deeply sees the way things are, if the mind really deeply sees impermanence for what it is, it does let go. This, you know, clear seeing washes away the craving. Like if you are washing, you know, a dirty cloth, over time it's going to get clean. And it's the same with the mind. Over time those, uh, you know, habitual attachment mechanisms, they just lose their power. And the Pali word is here is viraga. Coming from the word ranj, which means to color. So the coloring is is washed away. The coloring of of craving. You know, thinking there's something there which can be possessed. And seeing very clearly through seeing impermanence, no, that's actually not true. And then the mind responds with letting go. And then, you know, this, uh, if the craving, you know, is washed out to a certain degree, the mind is much more, has more capacity to see the ending of things. You know, and the mind sees more clearly. It's not a mistake of those objects, you know, we are clinging to, but the mistake lies in the way how we are relating to the objects, the expectations we have. And that is uh, Niroda, which is the cessation, cessation of clinging through seeing the ending of things. So balancing out, you know, our natural interest in beginnings, in new things, in young things, in lovely things, not wanting to see, you know, the dying things and the old stuff. So having that, you know, that natural interest in in the new and not there's nothing bad about that but just balancing it out bringing it into balance by showing the other side as well and that the other side can only be seen you know if there's a certain amount of attachment already washed away because otherwise we are just not capable to pay attention in in that other way so that's a it's a progress, you know, on the path to be able to see the whole spectrum. 
the beautiful quote, you know, of Ajahn Chah saying, you know, the, the cup is already broken. So now using the cup and taking delight in it, if it's beautiful, you know, but already knowing one day it's going to break. And that makes it even more precious. So that's Niroda. And then, you know, this Viveka Viraga Niroda, seclusion from the hindrances, washing away of craving, seeing the ending of things, that all together translates into letting go. The mind responding by letting go. And, you know, that letting go is is not a letting go of anything else but a letting go of expectations, a letting go of ways of seeing which are not in sync with reality. And it doesn't say, you know, that there's nothing there, but what's, what's kind of let go of is the assumption of permanent entities which can be controlled and possessed. Letting go of that. You know, and through, through that clear seeing and letting go of that idea of how the world is, we, we are living in a much deeper and wider and bigger world. And the sense of uh, being part of that flow becomes you know, more and more accessible. And that's, you know, even it is a letting go of something, it, it leads to a much greater enrichment as we could ever lay our hands on by trying to control objects. It's a different kind of enrichment. And that enrichment you know, is there through the sensitizing of the mind, through cultivating the seven factors of awakening, because we can take part in the world and we can uh, connect, you know, with our life and our world in a way which is has much more depth. Because the mind has uh, let go of uh, the need for course, stuff and then you know it just automatically uh, becomes more and more capable of seeing what is really there you know reading between the lines so to say and and a whole different way of a whole different world opens up which has much more dimensions than if the mind is only, you know, occupied by wanting and not wanting. You know, it's the mind which is just about wanting and not wanting lives in a flatland, so to say, you know. Where there's always something in the future. And there's a lot of effort, we have to run after it. And we stretch it out, you know, endless. So it's going to be the next thing and the next thing. Whereas this other world, you know, which is accessible, 
once we have really developed the sensitivity of the mind through cultivating those seven factors of awakening, the smallest thing has a depth to it which opens up the whole world. A small flower, a little cat, it's just you know, a richness which becomes accessible. So and this, you know, is is a skill which can be developed just as any other skill. Driving a car, learning to play an instrument. Or you know, learning a kind of sport or anything. What we need is is you know we need to put in the time. We need to have enough interest. And uh, it's a flowering, you know. <clears throat> it's a natural flowering if we give it the right causes and conditions. If there's a bud, it will flower. And there's some very funny i would say you know examples in the uh, in the suttas about that process you know which cannot be rushed and which cannot be forced but the buddha compares it for example with a hen sitting on her eggs there's nothing she can do she just needs to sit on the eggs and make sure that they're really all under her you know but otherwise there's nothing much she can do And another example is uh, a carpenter who is using his ace. And then, you know, when he looks at it after some time, he sees, you know, his fingerprints and that the handle of the ace has been worn down. But he doesn't really exactly know when it happened. But it happened over the years, you know, and that's how we need to look at the practice. You know, looking back and comparing, you know, how did I respond to such and such an issue? one year ago, three years ago, ten years ago, and how do I respond now? You don't really exactly know when the change came about, but you can now see the change, like the carpenter can see, you know, that the handle is worn away. And another example is the gradual deepening of the ocean floor. So that's all examples, you know, from the suttas, which tell us that this is a long-term uh, long-term practice. And uh, and that you know that through this enrichment of the mind, the mind is willing to let go because it can see, you know, in which direction this is going. And is increasingly you know, more willing to cooperate with that. And you know, in terms of enrichment, I wanted to to share with you also those uh, the commentaries speak about the near and the far enemies of the of the Brahmaviharas. Near enemy is, you know, the quality which looks quite similar, is but is not it. And the far enemy is, you know, the, the total opposite of the Brahma Vihara. 
so wie die Meta. The near enemy, you know, which can look similar, is attachment. And the far enemy would be anger, which is the opposite of Meta. And with Karuna, the near enemy is sadness. And the far enemy would be apathy. You know, the turning away, not being willing to engage. Because one is afraid of suffering. And Mudita, the near enemy would be excitement, you know, getting totally excited about the good fortune of someone else. And the far enemy is jealousy or envy. And Upeka, the near enemy is indifference. And far enemy would be restlessness. So, you know, by honing those seven factors of awakening that will take care of our Brahmavihara practice to really not only you know have an effect on expanding the mind and giving us a pleasant experience in the here and now but also you know to unlock the liberating potential of the Brahmaviharas of all, you know, all practices which expand the mind have uh, that liberating potential, but we need to know how to uh, unlock it. And, you know, in the scriptures is also written the fuel, you know, which helps us to unlock that potential is in externally it's good friends you know to spend time with people who are on the path and from you know from whom we, we can learn and who can help us if we need help and internally it's uh, it's careful or, or wise attention so you know really paying careful attention to our experience and you know spending time with wise friends and I think it's what you are all doing here on the retreat and you know that the problems and all of the issues of samsara will still arise but we have a different way of responding to it of relating to, it, to those they become raw material for further progressing you know, on the path. And I brought a, a poem from the book we have been lately you know, reading a lot of, The First Free Women, which is uh, based on the Terikata poems from the early Buddhist nuns and this poem is uh, Bhikkhuni Chenta speaking and her name is here translated as conqueror and she says <coughs> I was forever getting lost until one day the Buddha told me to walk this path you will need seven friends mindfulness, 
curiosity, courage, joy, calm, stillness and perspective. For many years these friends and I have traveled together, sometimes wandering in circles, sometimes taking the long way around. There were days when I thought I couldn't go on. There were days when I thought I was finally beaten. It's scary to give all of yourself to just one thing. What if you don't make it? Oh my heart, you don't have to go it alone. Train yourself to train just a little more gently. So those seven friends are the seven factors of awakening. And they are slightly different translated here. For example, you know, um, energy is called courage here. And equanimity perspective. But nevertheless, it's always the same seven factors of awakening, which we are cultivating if we are doing a practice, you know, which leads to letting go, which leads to insight. And combining the Brahma Vihara practice with those seven factors of awakening is a very powerful way of training the mind because we are, you know, we are training the mind in developing those very good qualities of kindness and compassion, gladness and uh, perspective or equanimity, which are the warm practices the hard practices and then at the same time also developing the cool practices, the inside practices, the sword, you know, cutting through ignorance. And both together is a very powerful combination. You know, the warm practices massage and open the heart so we can see more clearly and then, you know, the sword of wisdom knows what needs to be let go of. So these two practices together are very powerful and they support each other. You know, you can compare it if you have a like a tangle of, of, of yarn or something. If you just pull on it, it's just going to get tighter and tighter and you can't untangle it. So you have to do all kinds of things, you know, to create some space, to kind of massage it in the right way so you can untangle it. And the same it's with our history, you know, with our history of uh, conditioning. You can't just kind of straight cut it all through, that doesn't really work. So we have to do both, you know, we have to warm it all up and melt it and then, and, this, and sometimes we have to also very clearly, you know, cut something to size, to what it really is. And those seven factors of awakening, you know, give us the uh, capacity to see clearly what is what and what's the right response 
at any moment. Because it can't be forced. You know, as I was mentioning, the hen sitting on her eggs. It's like that. And I'm sure we can all do that. So I'm going to share the poem one more time with you. <coughs> Genta, Conqueror. I was forever getting lost until one day the Buddha told me, to walk this path you will need seven friends, mindfulness, curiosity, courage, joy, calm, stillness and perspective. For many years these friends and I have traveled together, sometimes wandering in circles, sometimes taking the long way round. There were days when I thought I couldn't go on. There were days when I thought I was finally beaten. It's scary to give all of yourself to just one thing. What if you don't make it? Oh my heart, you don't have to go it alone. Train yourself to train just a little more gently. So now we can sit for a few minutes and then at 5 o'clock we're going to start with Q&A. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.